Today, we are literally kicking off season three of the Inside Story podcast as we roll out episode number 120 here that is titled appropriately enough, I think, Starting Over. While we aren't exactly starting over here on the podcast, the whole idea of beginning a new year always brings with it a sense of having a fresh start, a new beginning, a chance to reframe and start anew. So if you follow us on social media at Lightbeamers, you may have noticed that the podcast has gotten a fresh new look. We recently updated our podcast cover art and logo. So the deal is we are freshening things up over here on the Inside Story podcast because we are building out a plan this season to bring you more episodes that will help you incorporate better storytelling into the work you do and how you help others. We want to help you by bringing you more storytelling ideas, tips, and resources so that you can incorporate them right into your life and business. We want our episodes to be actionable and implementable because here's what I know to be true about storytelling. Storytelling will be a workhorse in your business and in your life if you will use it. And like the episodes we have lined up for you today, we will continue to bring you amazing interviews from people who have remarkable stories to share with the intention that they will inspire and motivate you around telling your own story. So today on the show, I'm joined by Jennifer Henry. She's a professional coach helping people through her whole lifestyle recovery system. And recovery is something she knows a little bit about. A former drug addict and convicted felon, Jennifer has literally built her life from the ground up by addressing her problems holistically. If you've ever been counted out or felt washed up or thought of your past was just too big for you to overcome, then buckle up and be prepared to be inspired by Jennifer's story. This is Starting Over with Jennifer Henry on the Inside Story Podcast, Season 3. Hi, I'm April Adams Pertwee. I'm your host of the Inside Story Podcast. I've been telling people stories my entire adult life as a broadcast journalist, video producer, and digital storyteller. These days, you can find me at Lightbeamers, where I'm building a community of women who are ready to step into their brave by sharing their story with the world. On the Inside Story podcast, I'm bringing you some of the best stories I'm discovering from both the women inside of my community, as well as from around the streets of the internet. Plus, I'm digging deep to share some of my own stories with you along the way. My hope is that these stories will help encourage you to examine your own story so that you can share it with other people. I have a motto at Lightbeamers. When we share our stories, we shine a light. So with that in mind, let's get down to business today and share the light found in this episode. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to the Inside Story Podcast. I'm your host, April Adams Pertwee, and I'm so excited to bring you another episode with a guest in the hot seat. And as you guys know, here on the Inside Story, I love to just peel back the curtain on people's lives and experiences because that's really what storytelling is all about, and especially our personal stories and the power that they can have to, to really illustrate what's possible for other people. And so I always love 
finding people out on the internet or out in the interwebs who I stumble upon and discover, wow, they've got one of those really big stories and they've harnessed the power of it and they're out there sharing it so that it can have an impact and impact other people, right? And so my good friend, Jerry Salcedo, sent me this person, Jennifer Henry, who's in the hot seat with me today and said, you need to interview her. She's a, She's got an amazing story. So we connected, I poked around a little bit, and it didn't take long for me poking around to discover she did indeed have a big story. And just to give you a highlight, and I know Jennifer, you're gonna you're gonna dive in with us and start um, letting me interview you to get more of the story, but just the highlight reel, right? The highlight reel is former homeless drug addict, convicted felon, turned six-figure entrepreneur, master coach, soon to be published author. And it sounds like from, you know, what I've read, you literally have built your life back up from ground zero. And that I know, whether people have gone to the depths of hell that you've been to, everyone has been a place in their life where they feel like they're having to start over. They feel like they're having to rebuild, whether it's from a divorce, whether it's from a career change, maybe it is from drug addiction and a total recovery that, you know, they need. But I know that your story will resonate with so many people. So that's why, and especially women, because, you know, by and large, we speak to a lot of women here at Light Beamers. So I'm really, really excited that um, I found you and excited to learn more about your story. This is actually our first time meeting. I don't know a lot about you. So I love these types of interviews when I really just get to dig in with our guest when I don't know a lot of information and we just see what unfolds. It's going to be fun, fun. So welcome to the Inside Story Podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I uh, am definitely on a mission this year in 2023 to get more visible. The last yeah. 10 years, I've been working diligently behind the scenes, busting my butt to really develop um, what I like to consider lifestyle recovery. And, you know, when I got into the work that I do, when I got, when I first got into this journey, right, when I first got into my, my lifestyle transformation journey, like mm. it, we call it, I was in the programs of NA and AA and in 12 step recovery programs. And, you know, I was looking for, I, I was very disconnected and I'll get into the details in a little bit, but you know, I, they say that if you're looking for a book and you can't find it, you have to write it. Mm-hmm. Or if yep. you're looking for a program that you need and you can't find it, you have to build it. And that was the case for me is that they, the system that was in place for someone like me who really didn't know how to do life, who didn't know how to cope, who didn't know how to be okay in their own skin, who didn't know how to like hold space or find value in self or purpose. And was kind of just wandering around the earth, like being whoever everyone wanted me to be and whatever Mm -hmm. I needed to be to make everybody else okay. And I found my solace and my value in making sure that everybody else was okay. And what that led me to was a life of complete chronic disconnection of the inability to connect to who I was being, the inability to connect to my experiences. And so instead, what I found myself doing was finding anything I could to numb myself. And, you know, when I started my journey of recovery, while I was in the rooms of people who with, with surrounded by people who were in recovery from drugs and alcohol, they were killing a half sheet birthday cake at eight o'clock and drinking a pot of coffee at eight o'clock at night, like smoking a whole pack of cigarettes during break and missing some of the meeting or judging the people and gossiping or playing on their phone. And I'm like, is this really like, is this what my goal is? Like, is this really recovery? Because this doesn't feel like recovery for me. This still feels like chronic disconnection. 
And so I really had to kind of go outside the box and rediscover and, and decide what it was that I was looking for. And what I needed was to learn how to trust myself. What I needed was to learn how to have grace with myself and how to hold space and find value and purpose and, and what, who I was authentically. I needed to know what kind of ice cream I liked or whether or not I even liked ice cream. I needed to know what colors I liked. I needed to know what I like to do for fun. I didn't know what I like to do for fun. I did whatever you wanted to do for fun. Well, I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to eat? No, where do you want to, right? And until I learned how to be still and be present and get connected, um, you know, I wasn't going to get the kind of recovery I was looking for. And so that's what I had to do. And so I spent the last 10, 12 years now completely just continuing to redecide, continuing to set solid boundaries, continuing to find balance and reconnect to what it is. Am I in alignment with what I want in my life and recognizing if what I wanted is still what I want every single day? I love that you brought up this um, this broken system that is NA and AA and all the A's that are out there, all the all these systems that we've heard about over the years or maybe have participated in over the years. And I have never been through one of those programs. Um, I've interviewed a ton of people that have walked this journey. And so picking up on different people's stories and things that they've shared with me over the years, as well as reading people's stories that have walked this battle. And systematically, what I've been hearing and interpreting from all of these stories, and you just kind of alluded to it too, is this, this system that is set up to really create a whole nother batch of problems. Like, you know, like you become dependent on the system if if you follow it correctly, right? And that if you're not doing the 12 steps, that you're doing it wrong, right? And so- right, absolutely. Like, oh my gosh. And I think a lot of women specifically that I have talked to as we get a little bit more focused in this, in this area, women that I've talked to who have attempted to go through those type of recovery systems have by and large rejected it. Or sometimes they just- fall into it and stick with it because that's what we're supposed to do. And that's what the narrative has been in the marketplace. But a lot of women that I've talked to is like, God, that, that just didn't work for me because it was one more thing that says yeah. you're supposed to do it this way. You should be doing it this way. And if you don't follow step seven, you're doing it wrong. Did that is, was that your experience? Well, so let me preface with that. Like it was a significant part of my recovery, right? Sure. Not, not to take away from what it does. Right. right. Absolutely. So yeah. just to, just to, you know, yeah. throw it out there that I'm not trying to discredit the program in the absolutely. sense that if you apply the steps, they absolutely work in creating a, some kind of a foundation. They help you to identify what's still going on. They help you to identify where you might've gone wrong, where you allowed other people to influence you, where things that happened are still affecting the decisions that you make and really being able to learn how to give back and be of service. But the problem is, is that as I talked about before, everyone talks about recovery with drugs and alcohol, but what yeah. about recovery from codependent? I mean, they do have CODA. CODA meetings were amazing, which is Codependence Anonymous. And that is amazing. But, you know, with everything else, it's like, you know, I am is the most powerful link mm. phrase, right? The most powerful creation phrase, manifesting phrase in the human language. And I'm not going to sit there and constantly say, I'm an addict. I'm an alcoholic. I'm powerless. Yep, I am yep. right. And, and on top of that, I, because that doesn't feel good. That doesn't no. serve me. That doesn't give me my power. That doesn't give me control of my life. And everybody wants to feign control. And it's like, wait a second. I do have absolute power over my life. I have absolute control over what I want to be experiencing and who I want to be spending my time with and how I want to be acting and who I'm being. And so those are the things I do get to focus on. 
And so the, it does touch on that in the steps. And, and so again, not to take away from it, but when I'm just completely parroting or mimicking you and I can come in and I can chant pages at a time of a book, am I really in, in, in taking that in and di- dissecting that and, and, and absorbing and digesting that? Or am I parroting? Mm. Right. Am I just chanting? Because I can say those to this day, 12 years later, not even having been to the rooms in years and years, and I can still chant those. And it's like, and yes, it's nice, but are we embedding those into our life? Right. And there are some people there. I've met some incredible people that I am still in connection with. Some of my biggest clients are in 20, 30 years in recovery. And they came in me because they're like, they kept telling me that I needed to be more of service and I needed to be part of this area, like do be, you know, be an area director. Or I needed to be, you know, give a be of service this way. And what I found is that everybody's coming to me because their codependency is killing them, right? It is almost feeding their codependency. It is almost feeding their perfectionism. Like it's feeding these certain like lifestyle issues, right? Lifestyle habits or ways of being that have contributed to their addiction in the first place, contributing to their disconnection in the first place, right? Are we really addressing the fact that most of them, most, most, so many, way too many people in recovery are compensating with food and are way overweight and chronically ill and then blaming it on, oh, it's just genetics because they are not being taken. They're not holding themselves accountable to whole health recovery. Like what our gut, what we're eating absolutely affects Mm. our mental health and how we think and how we function and how we perform and how we feel emotionally. Right. And so if I am not paying any attention to what I'm eating and I'm disconnecting with food and I'm killing a box of Cheez-Its or six Mm -hmm. tacos, or, you know what I mean? Like every single day of the week, am I contributing to my recovery? What is that? Right. And I'm not just talking to people that deal with drugs and alcohol. Right. I know so many women that I've worked with and men that disconnect with shopping or disconnect with social media or disconnect with relationships and, and, and women. Porn. I mean, it's like you so many things. Masturbation. I mean, really like I I have a client who literally could not get anything done because she would be uncomfortable and would just want to feel good. And she would take care of mm-hmm. herself. And like, mm-hmm. that's real life. Right. Or they would be notice that all of a sudden they finished two seasons of two different shows on Netflix and they didn't reach out to any clients or they didn't go to the gym or they didn't do this. It's like really connecting to who I'm being in every moment can be exhausting. But once you learn how to do it, it, it is the freedom that you've been looking for. Well, that's what I want to get into is how did, how did you learn that, you know, coming from, and I want to hear a little bit more of the story of, you know, the before this, this former drug addict, this living on the streets, um, you know, getting convicted, going to prison. Uh, How does, how does one go from there to the AA programs and then NAs and all the other A's to, to now building the system that actually did work for you? Will you take us through that journey? Because I think that, first of all, it's important people hear your story because it's important to hear the t- some of the details of just, you know, how you, how you got there and then how you got out of it. Absolutely. I'm an only child. First of all, I grew up on a horse ranch with horses and a dirt road and no, na- no real close neighbors. And um, I was alone. Mm-hmm. Right. And I had parents that loved me, but they had dealt with their own stuff with their parents and growing up. And we all have these dysfunctional pieces of our families. And while um, they gave and gave and gave to me um, to show their love and, and that's how they loved me. um, I didn't appreciate any of it because I didn't know what it was to go without. Mm -hmm. Right. I didn't know how hard they were working. And so that didn't really mean anything to me. So I didn't necessarily feel as loved as I think that they wanted me to, because I know that they loved me. Right. And so even though, so I had, you know, I had a, you know, 
functionally alcoholic mom who's bipolar. And I had a dad who was like super alpha, super hustler, used car salesman, cowboy. Mm -hmm. And so I had these two polar opposites constantly in my head about who I was and what I was capable of being one being a waste of space and not enough and too much all at the same time. And one being, you can do anything that you want to do, anything that you put your mind to, you can go out and eat bears, uh, you know, taught me never to need a man just to want one kind of thing. And really like made me this strong, hardcore, independent person who was capable of anything. Meanwhile, I had someone who doubted every move I made and really questioned my existence. And that is only because she was ill. She was not well, mm -hmm. she's doing amazing now. And we have an amazing relationship just to clear that up. But it didn't start out like that. And she was dealing with her own stuff and her own demons. And so that, that rubs off. Right. Yep. And so I didn't learn how to cope and deal with my demons. There wasn't any like processing happening in our house at any point in time. Everybody was disconnected. My dad with his hustling and his go, go, go men mentality. And my mom with her, let me just hide in this corner and make sure nobody sees me. And if they do, I just have to, you know, kind of speak when spoken to kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so fast forward and, you know, um, I was a really bright kid. I, you know, was probably too smart for my own good. And I was testing post high school in fifth grade mm -hmm. and, uh, they sent me to a public middle school. I was in private, private elementary. And then they sent me to a public middle school and the curriculum was a little third grade for me. And I was bored out of my mind. And so I would go hang out in the bathrooms with, because I was bored. I would ace all my tests. I didn't even have to turn homework to get a B in the class mm -hmm. and in any of my classes. And so I didn't. And I didn't show up and I, and I started my disconnection hardcore in middle school. So, you know, when you're hanging out in the bathroom, the other kids hanging out in the bathroom aren't there because they're bored and they know all the answers, you know what I mean? But those were the people who taught me how to really disconnect and get good at it because yeah. they were good. at it. And so fast forward again, by high school, I was doing Coke. I was doing acid. I was doing ecstasy. I was going to raves. I was going to parties. I looked older than I was. So I was buying the beer and buying the alcohol. And, and, uh, we had older siblings, you know, my friends had older siblings who were getting us Coke and getting us hooked up with different drugs. Mm. And then I was about to score some, uh, I wanted to score some Coke for a dance when I was 16 or it was a party or we were going to do something. And I was trying to get some cocaine. And someone said, well, why don't you just do speed? And I said, oh, I've heard terrible things about that. I would never do it. Um, and she says, why? Um, she's like, it's just, it's cheaper and it lasts longer. And I thought, oh, well, that's a good deal. And I went from that night to uh, the age of 18, completely on a solid run. During those two years, I uh, started wow. using intravenously. I was 16, 17 years old, slamming meth. Um, I had, my parents had to kick me out to save themselves because I was horrible. I was stealing. I was violent. I was um, bringing people around that were stealing and they had to keep themselves safe. And I was destroying their marriage and all kinds of things. And that was, a, that's a whole story in its mm -hmm. own, but mm -hmm. they had to kick me out. And so I was 17 years old, a naive little white girl on the streets of downtown Riverside. And, you know, and they had their fun with me and, um, and I was a quite a victim, let me tell mm -hmm. you. And, uh, I was the perfect victim. And so I ended up getting arrested at 18. At the time, there was a program called Prop 36. I was able to go through rehab and get um, my charges, you know, closed. And yeah. And so I did that and I met a guy and we got into a relationship and I had, and I was going to meetings and I was going, had a sponsor and I was working the steps and doing all the things and being of service. But again, I was parroting. I was being told I was following direction. Mm -hmm. I wasn't at any point in time ever figuring out who I really was. I was just taking the next indicated step. Well, he ends up relapsing. I don't know how to deal. I end up relapsing and I hit, hit the streets again. And so over the next couple of years, so from 22 to 25, I was running amok. I ended up doing two prison terms during that time. And because I was on a mission not to be the victim anymore, mm. which made me the opposite. 
Mm-hmm. And so the perpetrator. I was I was not mm-hmm. a good person. Yeah. Everyone knew what, that they did not want me coming on their bad mm-hmm. side. Uh, you know, it was just not a really good, it was a very, very, very sick situation. And so when I tell you I'm grateful for getting arrested, I mean it with everything in me. So people are all like, oh, we can't arrest the homeless and we can't arrest them. They just have bad. <laughs> you think that they're going to all of a sudden be like, yeah, you know what? I don't really like doing this anymore. I want to pay taxes and have a job and be accountable and 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 deal with all this stuff. Yeah, let, let, give me some help. No, you have to force it. You have to force yeah. it. And so I'm hoping that at some point, and this is totally derailment, but I'm hoping at some point we'll have the infrastructure to house like mandatory mental health facilities, mm-hmm. right? So that we can yes. actually get people some help, decide if they're chronically, you know, if they're, if they're, if they're, you know, able to be rehabilitated or not, because yes. Yes. they need, yes. it, it that is, is a it, real it, problem. Uh, it's a real problem in California. We could riff on that forever. Yes. Right. So, is, uh... you know, so my point being like, until someone is ready to actually step up. And that's what had to happen for me was I had to actually be ready to step up and take accountability. And so when I got arrested this and was on, I was only out 67 days for my first prison term. I got out worse than I went in and I knew more people. I knew more strategies. I knew more ways to, 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 to do the bad better. Mm. And, um, and I still had no coping skills. And so when I got out of prison, I was planning to go home. I had all this great idea of like, life's going to be better now. Right. Nothing had changed. If anything, I'd gotten worse. And so I find out that my childhood home of 25 years, uh, that my parents are losing the ranch because it's 2008 and Mm. everybody's losing everything. And my dad lost his car lot. He's my, you know, he lost, they're losing the ranch. And so not only am I coming home worse, but I'm and with less coping skills, but I'm coming home to losing my childhood home. And I have yeah. no coping skills. I can't deal with that. I went right back out and started using again, put a needle right back in my arm. Mm. So I went on another run and got arrested again, got taken in on a violation of parole. So I was on a parole hold. So I could not bail out this time and run. And, uh, you know, and, and it was this time when I really was like, you know, there's a huge long story here, but it's really at this point where I was like, you know, I can't keep doing this. Like this isn't working. Like this isn't where I want to spend the rest of my life. And I'm already a second offender now. It's like a two two termer now. So I fought and I fought and I fought my case and I fought for a six month rehab upon my release. So after serving 17 and a half months in prison, I was directly escorted directly to uh, a inpatient women's rehab rehabilitation center with 60 women and 11 children because it was for them to reunite with their kids, family mm-hmm. home. 60 women. I'm an only child, right? Can't it was imagine. definitely overwhelming. And I was on mm-hmm. all kinds of medication because they needed me on mood stabilizers and anti-anxiety and anti-depression and all these things because I was a risk to myself and others, right? Yeah. And so I'm in this program and they're trying to teach me all this behavioral and cognitive therapy. And they're asking me, where do you see yourself in 10 years? And I'm like, that's not what I want for lunch, guys. Like, what, really? And what I realized was, again, like their system wasn't working. They want me to visualize something and do all these things. And I had to really identify, like, what is it that I really want? First of all, I can't feel anything. How do you want me to to identify feelings? I'm so numbed up and disconnected on these meds. How am I supposed to decide what a feeling is? They don't exist. And when they do start to come in, they're all so overwhelming. I can't identify any of them because I've spent the last 20 years running from them and numbing them. It's connecting. So how am I supposed to know if it's anger or resentment or frustration or fear or sadness? It's all the same to me. It's just emotion and I'm cool on it. I feel too much. I am too much. I numb me. That's how it's been for the last 25 years. Right. So at this point they're like, what does it feel like? I'm like, uh, that's what it feels like. Right. White noise. And so I knew that my first course of action, like I, you know, 
I had to start asking myself what I needed and trusting that. And that was, that was the beginning. What do I need? Oh, so good. Trusting it. Right. And, I and think so that I knew that I is not something that you probably had ever relied on before. It doesn't sound like, and I think that is a key piece for, you know, the listeners to hear again, it's just that simple question of what do I need? And then trusting that answer. So your intuition uh, you were really listening, beginning to listen and learn how to listen to that intuition, it sounds like. And there were naysayers, right? The minute oh, I started yeah. to decide something different than the status quo. What they said naysayers. it was supposed to be, sure. They're like, you're a risk to yourself and others. It's a stipulation near parole that you be on these meds. And I'm like, well, how am I supposed to know how to deal with life if I don't know how to deal with life? And I'm in a safe space right now to be able to actually learn how to deal with what is coming up. And so I had to fight. I had to fight just like I had to fight for the rehab because they did not want to give it to me. The state wasn't paying for anything anymore. I had to fight for the rehab. I had to fight to get off my meds and to try and figure out how to balance my own body naturally first and figure out what I really needed. If I needed to get on meds again after that, fine, but let's figure out what's really going on first. After that, you know, I'm coming off my meds. I'm detoxing because we finally get that happening. Right. Second fight won that fight questioning the battle because I'm like, this isn't okay. I'm starting to feel all these things. I'm coming out of my skin. And there was this old treadmill in the rec room. And now the rec room is where we all hung out, like after programming, whether you were at a stage where you were going out to work or going out to school and coming back, everybody was, you know, pretty, whether you were programming in house nine to five, by five o'clock, everybody was checking out. They were done. We were mentally, emotionally, and spiritually exhausted, right? We just wanted to play cards or watch movies or chat on the phone with our loved ones or whatever, right? Write our letters in the rec room. And here I come, there's this old treadmill. I don't know if you've ever listened to or smelled an old treadmill when someone's really <laughs> on it, but it's this horrible like noise that totally en encompasses the entire room. And the smell of this burnt rubber and dead mice or something. I'm not really sure what that <laughs> smell is, but it's really, it's something else, the descriptions. right? That's amazing. Something else. And, and I get on this thing and I start going and I kind of get a couple glances and then it's, you know, I start going a little faster and I'm a speed walker. So then I start going real fast. Cause when I was in prison, I could walk the yard, right? As long yeah. as I wasn't running, I could walk as fast as I wanted. There was nowhere to go in this rehab. You couldn't just walk out. You couldn't go for a walk around the block. We were still a ward of the state at that point. And so if I decided to leave and run, I would go back to prison. So it wasn't like I had a choice to like go to the gym or go for a walk or any of those things. Right. And so I'm on this treadmill and I start going faster and it starts getting louder and it starts smelling more. And I'm surprised there wasn't smoke coming out the sides. And instead I saw smoke coming out of half the girl's ears because they were irritated as all get out with me. They were like, oh, hell no, girl, Henry, get off that thing. Like, what are you doing? Like, uh, -uh no, no. And I had to, I avoided, but I, I had to avoid a couple fights because of it. I stayed on it and I stood my ground. Third fight, I had to fight for moving my body. I had to fight to be okay in my own skin. I had to fight. What do I need regardless of what everybody else wants from me? Even if it pisses them off, even if it makes them uncomfortable, even if they don't like me anymore and they want to cuss me out and talk shit about me behind my back and talk, you, fine, because I need to be okay. One of my best converting masterclasses is the art of saying no without mm. feeling guilty. That was it. I didn't feel guilty for saying, no, I'm not getting off. I didn't feel guilty for saying, no, I don't want to take your meds. I didn't feel guilty for saying, no, I don't want to just get thrown back on the streets because I need help. Excuse my language, but because I need help. And so, you know, asking for support where I needed it, you know, demanding what I need, regardless of how other people feel, setting those boundaries and honoring them and being authentic around them. 
that's what I had to start doing. And the more that I started doing it, the more uncomfortable it made people that had been, uh, you know, codependent with me my entire life. And friends started dropping like flies. All of a sudden I'm selfish because when I do finally get home, I start going to the gym and I start, you know, stop really, I don't really go out to eat. I make my own food and I learn about gut health and I'm studying and I continue to ask the right questions. What is my body like? Everybody's body likes peanut. Everybody likes peanut butter. My body does not like peanut butter. So I can't have that. What everybody likes, you know, cream in their coffee. I can't have cream in my coffee. My trust me, like my man is like, please don't have cream in your coffee. Right. <laughs> like it's one of those things where it's like, I started listening to my body. And like, when I started feeling foggy or groggy or, or, or heavy or sluggish, what did I eat? You'd pay attention to that. Yeah. What did I eat when I start feeling irritable or short? Have I eaten? Mm-hmm. Right. If I start feeling, you know, what are the things when was the last time I worked out? When, what was my sleep like last night? Am I actually taking time throughout the day to breathe and connect to who I'm being and to recenter myself? Am I really connecting to my experiences throughout the day or am I disconnecting and just being in busy, right? And so really what has happened for me is that's where the framework came from, right? Over the years, I started to build a framework. What were the pieces? What were the pillars? What were the foundations for me? And so one was connection, really connecting to myself, connecting to my current experience. So that way I could learn how to shift it if I didn't like it, deciding whether or not I liked it, right? Whether I was good with where I was at and what I was feeling or not then alignment, right? What am I in alignment with my goals? Am I, you know, setting the standards that are going to get me to my goals? Am I, how, how am I showing up? What's on my calendar? What does it look like? Right. Who am I being? Is it in alignment with who I want to be with how I want to be showing up in the world and then balance, right? What, not just everyone, you know, I get some, some, some kickback on the word balance. People are like, Oh no, harmony is better or this and that. And you can't have a real balanced life. If you want to be a successful entrepreneur bullshit, I call bullshit because I'm talking about balance of energy, right? Energetic exchange. If I want to up-level and my next goal is, you know, multiple six figures in my business in order to do that, what else do I need to Mm up-level so that I can support that action? If I want to, you know, be doing 20 clients, or if I want to build it to where it's hundred clients and it's five, 20 person groups, what does that look like? How can I balance that so that I'm not on calls from 8am to 8pm at night? And I'm still making the kind of money that I want to make the kind of impact that I want to make creating the kind of abundance that I want to have. Right. Boundaries, right. We talked a lot. I talked a lot about that. That's key. I don't need to even say more about that, but honoring your yeses and nos, deciding what they are and then honoring them. And then authenticity, the fifth one's authenticity. Like, are you being authentic? Are you being honest with yourself about what you're saying yes and no to? Are you being honest with yourself about what you really need? Or are you going off of somebody else's opinion? Can we talk about that last one? Because I'm thinking for someone like you and for a lot of women out there who have spent their whole life (laughs) or a good chunk of it, not knowing their authentic self because they're just so flooded with what the world says we are supposed to be. And I, I've experienced this, like, is that really what I want? You know? So and someone like you, who was like off the deep end of not knowing who you were, you know, like numbing and covering it up and running away from it for so long, what, how did you really start to listen to that? Like, how did you really know? Like, yeah, that is really Jennifer speaking. That is really what I want. Was it trial and error? Was it, you know, intentional, you know, intentional setting each day? Like I'm going to go eat a bunch of food and figure out what really tastes good. Like I would really love some of the mechanics because I think there's a lot of women out there that like, we hear this word authenticity. um, But if if they've been on this crappy treadmill of life that is like always been telling them how to do it, how did you really figure out what was that authentic voice for you? 
a couple things, um, imagination and, uh, application. So that's what came up. Like, that's not something I've taught or something I've even said before now, but as you were asking me, what really happened was I, I, I dove into like, what is it? And it's imagination. I imagine it, I visualize it and then I attempt it. And, and I, and I'm, and I'm connected to self while I'm doing it. And I'm just checking in. Like, I don't know, unless I do it. I don't know if I like chocolate ice cream, unless I try chocolate ice cream. I don't know if I like doing intervals on the stair climber, unless I do intervals on the stair climber. Does anyone actually think they're going to like doing intervals, meaning like bursts of speed and then slow and then speed and then slow on a stair climber? Like, does anyone really think that they're going to like that? Probably not, but I don't know unless I try it. Okay. I think that's really huge because again, (laughs) what I see with a lot of women, and again, I'm putting myself in this category. I'm not special. Like I've fallen prey to all this stuff too. Same. same. Yeah. Is that, um, we just kind of discredit it. We like push things off and just like, oh no, 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 that's not for me. You know, I work, you talked about you late at the very beginning of this interview. You just spoke my language. You're like, I'm really, my big goal for 2023 is to get more visible. You know, that's really, really what I teach in my business is visibility and storytelling and how to tell your story better and how to get on bigger stages and how to write the books and how to be visible and how to actually go freaking make an impact with the words that you have to share. Right. And I also know that that is extremely hard. I also know that that is extremely unnerving. And I also know that naturally a lot of us push back against that. Oh, no, 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 that's not for me. Again, because the world has told us for since biblical times that we are not enough, that that is not for us. That is not our space just to go sit down in the corner and be quiet and we'll call you when we're ready for you. And so that is just so huge what you're saying right now. And I just want the listeners to hear it because what we need to do as women is we need to just give it a try, right? right. We just need to, what did you say? You're going to imagine it and then you're going to attempt it. You're going to test it. Don't let anybody else tell you it's right or wrong. Figure it out for yourself. It's I science. love I mean, that so much. Life is a science project, right? And if we look at it like that, and I didn't really know I was a, a science geek until like when I started doing hair, I got my cosmetology license young because it was a trade that I thought could get me to until take care of me until I figured out what I really wanted to do. Turns out making women feel amazing in their skin and 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 proud of themselves and and it totally changing the way they feel about themselves. That is what I do. That is my life. And I love that people in general now. Mm-hmm. But you know, what what else came up is parts work. Parts work. I love parts work with my clients. And so that's something I focus on really early on because when we're focusing on, on connection and we're focusing on connecting to what we're experiencing, there's the five-year-old me that's like, heck, let's go do this. I don't give a shit. I don't care. And then there's the 21-year-old that's like, oh no, we're uh, clean and sober and we can't do anything wrong and we got to stay in the box and we can't do anything like that might challenge anything or like shake up the status quo. Can't do it. Don't do it. Follow the, stay in the line. Right. And then there's the, you know, 38-year-old me who's like, yeah, let's go. Okay. Wait a second. Let's like, let's create a plan real quick and let's get to set our intentions and then create a, right. But yeah, let's go. You know what I mean? And it's like, I get to incorporate all of the different parts, mm-hmm. right? Because there's so many different parts that are showing up. And I always joke about, hold on, I got to go to my community meeting real quick because my community is trying to have a meeting without me. Mm-hmm. My committee, I mean, not community, but my committee is trying to have, right. So I have committee meetings in my head and all of the different parts of me show up and all the different influences I have in my life from my mom and dad and aunts and uncles and, and friends and coaches and mentors and bo- no, not bosses. Cause I don't have bosses, but um, you're right. And people, yeah. people that are in my life that I look up to, they all have an opinion about how I should input. be perceived. 
They've all, they all have, input. have input. Yeah. And they all have their own experience and based sure. and their own input based off their experiences. But I'm not, while I am not any specific part, I am a sum of all my parts. And so if I'm noticing that I'm sabotaging, I set a goal and I'm like, shit, I'm just not hitting that. What is it? One of my parts doesn't want me to. One of my parts is keeping me safe. One of my parts is like, oh, ah, ah, remember? Even if you don't, mm-hmm. it's going to keep you safe on autopilot. And so it's like, when we really get to stop and listen, like, if I'm hesitant against something, maybe that part really is like, you know what, Jen, this is really not a good idea. You know, you were with a guy that did this and this and this, and this guy was like that and did this and this and this. And now you're with this guy, right? Like pay attention or, you know, uh, collaborating with certain people or, uh, just food. I mean, food, right? The part of you that wants to disconnect, the part of you that wants to numb, the part of you that wants to run away is absolutely going to want to kill half of that birthday cake, right? But the part of you that's like aware and present and like tasting the food and like enjoying it and like taking a bite and tasting it and allowing it to like, and then taking a deep breath in between, like, you're not going to need the whole sheet cake. You're going to get what you need off a slice, right? Yeah. Because you're able to be present with the meal, present with the snack, present with the gratification of it, instead of this mindless, like my, 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 my brain isn't even aware of the fact that there's food going from my mouth to my stomach. So there's no digestion really happening, no assimilation really happening. So even if I'm eating chicken, broccoli, and rice and trying to eat clean or whatever, right. And it's all super clean food. If I'm disconnecting and I'm not paying attention to how I eat and I'm not properly chewing my food and my brain isn't involved in the digestion process, cause I'm disconnected. You're going to, you're going to, decrease your digestion process by like 40%, which can even eating clean foods is going to give you irritation of the stomach, IBS, like Crohn's like issues in your gut inflammation, which is going to cause mental health issues or other chronic inflammation in the body. And it's like, that is part of connection. Who am I being when I'm eating? Who am I being when I'm doing my morning or nighttime routine? Who am I being when I'm showing up for my friends or when I'm driving in the car and someone cuts me off paying attention? Yeah. So, 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 so good. I love this. And so this is all part of really what you've created inside Mm -hmm. your, your system. That is your, your lifestyle recovery system. And it's not necessarily recovery from, you know, as you pointed out, it doesn't, it's not just drugs and alcohol. It's, although that can be it. And it was certainly part of your story, but it's recovery from so many other things. Um, And I think that if we all get really honest, we probably have something in our life that we could go on a recovery for, right? Like there is um, all of these things that you're talking about, the breathing and the eating and the mind mindfulness and the, you know, the intention setting and the visualization and the planning and all of that is something that is just like the perfect recipe for anything that we want to do in life, whether it's get healthy, whether it's get off drugs, whether it's be in better relationships, whether it's grow our multiple six figure businesses and beyond and all of those things that, um, I love that you call it lifestyle, right? Because it really is, it, it sounds like it just, it, it, it checks off all the boxes of all the different areas of our life. So is, yeah. um, I know that you have a, I want to get into this because I, um, you shared with me before we got on that you actually have written a book, which I'm super excited about, and that you're about to be a published author coming out in the spring of 2023. So tell me about your book. Because you know, we just published over here at Light Beamers. We just published. Yay! Congratulations! Thank you. This past year, so we're thrilled to like support other female authors. So I really want to hear more about your book. Absolutely. First of all, make sure you send me the link for your books because I would love. I absolutely would need to read them. I love. Uh, I love supporting my author friends and uh, collaborators. And 
the book itself has been a, a mission of love for sure. It's not going to be a long book, but it is a thought leader book and it is an integrative book. So it is something that you can read and, and work through. And so I invite people to, you know, I love folding pages and some people are really weird about that, but I love on my books and I write in the columns and I make notes and I, you Me know, too. different things. And I really am hoping that that's something that uh, you know, my readers get to enjoy. And so the book title is, it's called A Different Kind of Strong. And we're working on the tagline. We're finalizing right now, but something around the lines of mastering the art of lifestyle recovery mm. or uh, speaking to what lifestyle recovery is because it is my movement. It is, I am introducing this to the world because, you know, I got a lot of feedback on, are you sure? No one really knows what lifestyle recovery is. And I thought, exactly. Like, yeah. exactly. I got to fight for this. I got to stand for what it is that I am introducing, what I believe in. And I believe in whole health recovery, which to me is lifestyle recovery. And yeah. when it's what you applied in your own life, it's perfectionism, codependency, the, yeah. procrastination, people, please all of it, right? Like the, the things that keep us away from living our authentic life. And yeah, like I said, it's going to be short. It's going to be digestible. It's going to be probably a single day read, but there's going to be a book portal. So there's going to be QR codes throughout the book to support clients around, you know, if we, there, I, there's a part around tapping, EFT tapping. There's a part around, there's visualization exercises. There's meditations I'm going to be recording. There's workbooks, there's masterclasses. There's an opportunity to connect with me one-on-one. -on -one. So there's lots of opportunity. There's tools, strategies, tips, um, systems in the book, specifically speaking to the freedom framework that I shared with you earlier, the last piece of that, the sixth step being accountability, right? Mm -hmm. Being able to mm -hmm. hold yourself accountable. What are your standards? And then what are your goals? Mm -hmm. And who are you and what are you holding yourself accountable to? And, um, you know, and that's really what this was. This book is a way to hold me accountable to the work that I've done to be able to really timestamp it and to say, you know, up until this point, this is what I know. And then we get to continue forward and I have more books planned for the future. And as I'm sure you guys do, and you know how that works is as we grow, we yeah. grow and we share more and we evolve. And so this is a piece of me from the last 38 years. And I look forward to what's coming next. Oh, I'm so excited for you. That's so amazing. We will, we will definitely be supporting that book when it comes out and I'll be making my own purchase as well. And we'll definitely link up, you know, all of your, all of your stuff here in our show notes. So listeners go to the show notes or go to the podcast page at lightbeamers.com and click on all the links that we will leave for you around lifestyle recovery systems and excuse me, lifestyle recovery solutions is the name of your business. But of course there is the system in there that will um, you know, link you up to different tools and resources as they need it. And of course you can check, uh, check out how to connect with Jen as well. Before we go, you said something earlier that I would love to just have you kind of put the cherry on top of your story and what's possible for other people. You said, and obviously it sounds like you practice this a lot, these I am statements. And before a lot of the I am's were, I'm an alcoholic, I am, you know, a victim, I am, I am recovering and all those things that are kind of, you know, necessitated by some of those a movements that are out there what are your i am statements today will you leave us with a few who who is jen mm, that's a good one thank you for that question it's been a while i think since i've had to claim that or disclaim that and i am capable i am valuable i'm worth the effort i'm worth the time i'm worth the investment I'm worth it. I feel like that's the deepest one. And when it comes even to working with my clients, I feel like the worth part, mm -hmm. I am valuable and I am worth the effort. And you are, 
So are you, right? You are absolutely worth the time, effort, and investment of your energy, of your money, of your, of your, right? Whatever it is that you are carving out space for yourself for, it's worth it. Yeah, it is worth it. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. I just adore your message and I, I'm excited to just continue to learn more about you. I feel really grateful that Jerry connected us and welcome to light beamers, by the way, welcome to our world of light beamers and, and learn and learning more about what we're doing too. So thank you, Jen Henry, for being with us today. Lifestyle recovery solutions is the name of her business. Go check her out and definitely support her when that book comes out and you know, hopefully this whole conversation gets you guys thinking as well about um, just those different pieces of your life that you may be disconnected from, that you may need to reconnect with. You need to set some intention throughout your day to listen to your intuition and really ask yourself, what is it that I really want? And who am I in this world? And go create your own I am statements as well. Thanks to everyone for being here today. Thanks, Jen, for being with us on the Inside Story podcast. If you loved this episode, First of all, go give it a review, share it with your social media friends and all that kind of good stuff. But also please connect with me and please connect with Jen over on Instagram or Facebook, wherever you can find us. We'll link up all of our channels as we always do. But actually we wanna hear from you. We love, love, love knowing that you listen to a particular episode and that something about that episode struck a chord with you. That's why we record this podcast. I mean, like I will sit here and talk to Jen all day long, but we actually publicize it because we want it to reach you. And we want to know what parts of these podcasts are resonating with you. So don't forget, it's a two-way street over here, even though podcasting feels a little one way sometimes. We love to hear from you. So connect with me at Light Beamers, connect with Jen on the links that I will share with you. And we will see you next week right here on the show. See you then. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to give it a review and share this broadcast out with your friends and family. Now, did listening to this episode make you think more about your own story? Are you wondering which parts of your own story are relevant to share with others? This is the question I get asked more than any other. How do I share my story? Which parts of my story are worth sharing with other people? How can I make my story relatable so that others can benefit from it? I've taken my simple process that I've used for years as a journalist and broken it down into a three-part storytelling formula that will help you discover the key components of your own story and how to share it. It's a free resource I've created to help you become a light beamer by sharing your story. Simply go to www.lightbeamers.com and click on the big yellow button on the homepage to download your story formula. I'd love to hear your story too. So be sure to join my free community on Facebook, the Light Beamers community, and share your story with me. I can't wait to learn more about you and the story that's inside of you. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can get notified when our next broadcast is live. You will want to stay tuned to the stories we are lining up for you next. I promise they are so good. As always, Light Beamers, I'm over here cheering for you. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.